Welcome to the latest instalment of The Curious Capitalist, brought to you by the Board of Conscious Capitalism in Connecticut. The Curious Capitalist is a series of podcasts where we take the opportunity to not only speak to board members from the Conscious Capitalism Connecticut chapter, but also to business owners, startups and entrepreneurs. The Curious Capitalist is available on all of the world's biggest podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify. Never miss an episode again and subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to the latest edition of The Curious Capitalist. It's my great pleasure to be speaking with Margaret Feeney. Margaret is the director of the Digital Technology Incubation Program, also known as TIP at the University of Connecticut, based in Stanford. Now, by coupling Yukon's world-class research resources, facilities, and business support to a network of investors and entrepreneurs, Yukon's technology incubation program, easy for me to say, helps launch startups ready to transform their respective markets. Now, Margaret and her team are working with some incredible startups with remarkable ideas, and I am genuinely excited to find out more. Margaret, welcome to The Curious Capitalist. Thank you very much. Thank you for that very generous introduction. That's it is wonderful. no expectations or anything. You know, we like to <laughs> yeah. we keep our expectations low here. So come on, let's find out a little bit about you. I mean, you have got an incredible role. I've had a little look at the website and some of the projects that you're working on, and I, I'm genuinely interested in finding out more about the people that you're working with. But before we do that, tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you get to this point in your career? So I probably started my career opposite of what they tell you to do. I uh, started in smaller startup companies in very entrepreneurial roles and then kind of went to corporate. I think the general formula is you start corporate and then <laughs> and then go to the small startup that then becomes a, a unicorn. But what was uh, that transition like? It was so wonderful. I was so lucky to have the experiences I had in smaller organizations and startups because you really learn what you can do and cannot do and who you are. And I think to bring that like authentic self into a corporate environment, and then to learn all the great governance and ins and outs that go with a large company, I would not do it differently. Although at the time going through it, I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. It feels no, like creativity to a cubicle. I've kind of got this image of, of you being boxed into a cubicle after being yeah. free. So I was at NatWest previously, and I can't say enough good things about that company because they invited everyone's entrepreneurial side to come out. And I was so lucky to be in that environment for seven years and hone in on not only those great skills that you get in a corporate environment, such as, you know, presentation, governance, you name it, but also like you get to take risks and you get to push the envelope and, and try new things and no one's, you're not gonna get punished for it. You're gonna get rewarded. And I was, so I was very lucky to have that experience. It's amazing. Where were you based when you were working with NatWest? Beautiful Stanford, Connecticut, San Vegas. <laughs> San Vegas, I love it. Yeah. So now you've got this big job. You are the director of Digital Technology Incubation Program. Now, it sounds like a crazy scientific experiment where you're growing <laughs> companies in incubators. So talk me through the role and, and what you're doing there. I was so lucky to have met so many great people at UConn when I was at NatWest. And this opportunity came up at just the right time. And it was 
just the right fit. It kind of married my love of Stanford and wanting it to succeed from an entrepreneurial standpoint with working for a university that I got my MBA from and, and that I knew a lot of folks who were already working there. So it was really, again, a great opportunity. I get to meet with great founders and entrepreneurs who are so passionate, who are so driven, who want to do something meaningful with their life and their career. And there's nothing better than being around those people. And I find myself very lucky to work with those amazing individuals day in and day out. And my role is to really give them the resources they need to succeed and get to the next level, be it you know access to capital. We don't provide funding, but we do provide introductions to funding, access to board of directors, EIRs who are entrepreneurs and residents, you know, just seeing a lot of synergies between bringing different people together is always really, really fun. And again, I'm so grateful to have that kind of opportunity in my career and I'm really enjoying it. Now, come on, that sounds like an acceptance speech. Let's talk about the nitty gritty. <laughs> you're very grateful, but what are you doing? Let's talk about some of the companies that yes. you're involved with because they're doing some incredible things, genuinely incredible things. They really, really are. So we are focused on data science. AI and any startup that is kind of in that field or doing something with that technology. All software, 23 companies at the moment. You know, we were only expected to have five, I think by this time, 12 months in. So we're wow. thrilled. Yeah. And each one is, is better than the next. So we're super lucky to just be surrounded by great folks. So a third of our companies are fintech, a third of digital health, and a third are probably encompass everything else. I'll talk to a few kind of in each of those areas. So every time I talk about these companies, I'm just going to harp on how much I admire their founders. Fintron, great, great company. It's a mobile investing app. Easiest to compare it to Robinhood, but it's at the same time, it's nothing like Robinhood. Their whole thesis is how can we educate young people to make the right financial decision being, you know, investing. So we don't advise, we don't inform, but we give information, right? And that's, that's mm -hmm. their whole mantras. Let's, let's get information in the hands starting in high school. Yeah. And let's give them a platform in which to interact with when they're ready to engage and start saving for retirement, you name it. The founders are incredible people who just want to have a purposeful career and do good and have an impact, especially when it comes to financial education and youth. So again, love working with them. Futures Thrive, also just an amazing company. They're in digital health. You know, the pandemic, as we've all seen and heard in many headlines, has really hit adolescents primarily. You know, social development has been, you, you name it, around all the research that's going on right now for that age group of about, you know, 15 to 27. So what Futures Thrive does is says, you know what, let's stop diagnosing after the fact and let's start creating a baseline for when kids are four, five, six, you name it, they go into the pediatrician's office, they take a, you know, an assessment, and that assessment is done every year. So there's a mental health baseline, just like there's a baseline on a lot of other health metrics. So that if they come to those teen years, which is a little bit more difficult and topics get a little bit more heavy, what we can see is, well, where are they on their baseline? Like what the environment they're in, given their baseline, what should we be looking at for? So in many ways, it's a preventative measure, excuse me, so that intervention can happen sooner. So Wendy Ward is the founder, Love working with her, her team. And again, I mean, just someone who's so passionate about the cause and what they're doing and brings a ton of energy to, to our program. I can keep going. I think um, one of the common things that I see running through a lot of the companies you're working for is the synergy with the work that we have here at Conscious Capitalism. That doing 
good, you know, about doing business for the greater good almost. And those are two perfect examples of, of how, yes, they're businesses, yes, they're startups, yes, they're solving or certainly working towards solving a problem, but they're really benefiting people generally in the community, which is just fantastic. I love that, that aspect. I couldn't agree more. And I think what I see with our founders, which is why it's so, they're so magnetic to be around is they're brilliant people doing brilliant things, but they are so grateful for investments, for clients, for introduction, you name it. And I think the more they send out that energy to the universe, the more they get back and it's a flywheel effect. So I've seen that time and time again with, with some of our companies and it's so fun to see you know, regardless of the hurdles they hit, they're going to find a way to get over them, which is really exciting. And I guess we talk about the flywheel effect indeed, but the reality is these are individuals, incredible individuals who had an incredible idea, but you needed a you to facilitate making it happen, I guess, you know, and that's the the resources and the research and the, you know, the backing, if you like, of the organization. Surely that has a, a bit of a hand in their success as well. Yeah, oh, 100%. You know, it's really nice to know you're not alone, A. <laughs> right? So you're not going crazy. There are other people like you thinking big ideas and going after them. And it's so good to have folks to turn to when you just have a question that no one else can answer. And we like to think of ourselves as those resources who will give them whatever we can. And if we can't find an answer, we know someone in our network who can give them that answer. And I think we're that that guardrail, that constant mentor who just wants to help, you know, when needed, but at the asking of the founder, for sure. Absolutely. So not invasive, but just that guiding right. hand that's there, like scaffolding, right. like building a, a tower <laughs> with scaffolding. You're the scaffolding, Margaret, of the that's digital world of Stanford. Tech. Trust the Brit to break it down to something very simple. <laughs> so I, I'm jealous of that skill. That's, that's well, I'm very envious of that skill. Yeah, keep the bar low. Keep the bar low. <laughs> um, so kind of what did you wish that you had known before you started out on your career path? <laughs> what skills do you think you garnered to best help you be that scaffolding for these startups and entrepreneurs? There are no bad decisions. There are just consequences. I wish I had known that earlier on. I did oh. have, it just takes the pressure off. God, if I make this decision and it's the totally wrong decision, have I totally messed up my life or have I thrown off my career or whatever it is? I think no, right? Cause you can always adjust. You can make a decision and it is what it is and you just adjust. So I wish I had learned that earlier on. And I think one of the most important lessons to absorb as an entrepreneur is you're going to have to make decisions really quickly and you're not going to have all the information, but whether or not it was the perfect decision, you just have to deal with the consequence and you just have to deal with different paths. Having the resilience to do that is a skill I wish I had developed when I was just leaving college <laughs> instead of now. <laughs> Is it resilience or is it just having faith? I don't know about you, but I, I make a lot uh, of decisions. I've made some yeah. of my biggest life decisions have been made on gut feeling. And I can't explain that to anyone. I can't quantify that. It can't be anything scientifically. There's no algorithm for my gut. But I've made some of the biggest decisions on that. And it's knowing that actually what's meant for you won't pass you by, as my I old totally. nan used to say. <laughs> I, you know what? I love that. I think that sums up so much. When you asked me about my career earlier, I always get stunted with that question because I wish I had had a career path that was like neat and like simple and like very easy to talk about. But in reality, every time I was ready to move on, I kind of like 
ask the universe, what should I be doing now? Where am I most helpful? What's and next? Yep. Exactly. And I think it's your, to your point, it's faith that you'll get an inkling in one direction and test it out. And maybe it's not right. And you, you know, you try something else, but I do think I agree with you. There's a lot of trusting your instinct yep. um, in every sure. career. <laughs> and every decision for that matter and as every well. decision yeah. yeah so what does the regular sort of a day look like for the director of tip <laughs> i like saying that but i have to be really careful how i pronounce it i'm really conscious of my p's today <laughs> every week we're looking at our portfolio of companies and we have them fill out a monthly survey it's basically like we've been talking to you but like what's going on here what's going on here Give us something to look at so we can share it with others that we can figure out where to help you and fill any gaps. So on a weekly basis, we kind of look at that document and say, okay, where are startups really succeeding? Where do they need help? And where can we fill those holes? So we do a lot of, of planning around that. Before we finished our first cohort of 23 companies, we did a lot of due diligence on potential companies and scouting and deciding, you know, what industries we wanted to bring in more of, what were naturally coming to us and, and how we should think about that. So we spent a good amount of time doing that. And then we, we try to always expand the resources we have available to our companies, be it, you know, getting in front of more angels and VCs and letting them know what we're doing and the type of companies we're working with. And if, and when there's a fit, we can make an introduction, you know, working with software development companies when we have a company that super passionate about what they're doing, has a technical understanding to be dangerous in order to get it done, but needs a hardcore, you know, front-end developer, any kind of software development or engineering, you know, how can we help them with a the group just to get a simple MVP up and running? So then they can raise a little bit of money, bring in a CTO, you name it. So I would say that that is encompasses a lot of kind of how we organize our activities here at TIP. With so many companies kind of under your scaffolding, your watchful gaze, <laughs> shall we say, it must be a little bit like herding cats, is it not? You know, it's like that's quite a lot of <laughs> a lot of companies with a lot of different needs. And I guess everything is kind of bespoke for what they require because everyone's going to have different needs and requirements to to grow and, and develop their, their business and their brand, no? You're 100% right. And there's a quote, and I'm going to mess it up, but... Uh, Go on. Love it yeah, when people mess it yeah. up. Go on. <laughs> in process, there's freedom. I've totally messed it up. It's essentially when you set up guardrails and processes, you allow that noise to like fit perfectly in your day. And I think that's essentially what we do. We know every company's different. We know their needs are going to be different. But if we have a process in which to approach things, then we're, we're, we embrace the noise. We're ready for it and we can engage with it. I like that. That's cool. That's really cool. So what's the criteria then? So how does it work? So I'm uh, living near Stamford. I've got this mad idea that I've thought of in a bar at 2 a.m. and I want to <laughs> go on world domination and I want to save the world from itself. I want to help a huge chunk of people. I've got an idea. How do I get on board? How do I become yeah. a small part in your world? You know, How do you take on your companies and, and guide them? It's a really good question. So the stage we are probably best suited to work with are kind of that seed stage where they've probably had that idea. They've done some customer discovery. They've talked to some experts. 
they've shown that, hey, I'm lining up the pieces. I'm ready to really do this. Here's what I need. I need help on finding a target audience, on raising that first hundred, first 250K. I've got a great team, but I know it's got some gaps. You know, how can you help me? That's cool. So, so it's really almost that it's infancy. You know, it's, it's, I've got an idea and I've got a bit of data to support that it could work. Then I need Margaret Feeney. Is that <laughs> yeah. basically yeah. it? <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on The Curious Capitalist. <laughs> yeah. What do you like watching on television? Good night. <laughs> we do work with students at UConn and faculty at UConn. And our goal there is we want to help them create great companies, create intellectual property, help, you know, showcase entrepreneurship at UConn, which is continues to grow leaps and bounds every year. So we work with any stage company when it comes to a student or a faculty member. We also work with non-UConn companies, which can be based anywhere. And we generally like them to be a little bit more advanced, maybe have raised some money, you know, have shown, hey, I've put skin in the game. I can do this, but I really need to get over this next hurdle, which is raising 200K, which is, building an MVP so I can talk to venture capitalists. And that's where we can really shine and get them to where they need to go. Gotcha. And what are the criteria? How do people apply to you? Just gifts. Gifts, just, wine, yeah, chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bribery works. Love it. You know, it's, I, having worked at a financial, a highly regulated financial institution, I know that yeah. is the wrong answer. <laughs> it's not a good answer. I've worked in radio. It's also the wrong answer in radio as well. Radio <laughs> yeah. presenters do not talk about your products in exchange for gifts. Yeah. Much. Yeah. <laughs> no, but is there a criteria? Is there, you know, is there an application process? Is there a window when people can apply or yes. is it just a free for all? It is currently a rolling application process, so a company can apply at any time. I think we will soon go into cohort, and this is, you know, we'll take six to 10, and we can, you know, whatever number sounds right, every so often and kind of, and they'll probably be at the same stage, and we can take them through the same steps and resources based on where they are in their life cycle. But regardless whether it's rolling or cohort, we look at the team, number one, I think, a great startup lives and dies by the people who's running it. Good ideas. The British man who I want to quote is uh, Virgin Airlines, Richard Branson, right? Yes. What if opportunities are like buses? They can't, you know, you miss one, there's another. So imagine there's a thousand great opportunities. There are only so many good teams. And to really attract those teams and to find those teams is what we really try to be exceptional at. Two, we look at the market that they're in. Is it a market that we understand that we can help with? Is it a market that's attractive for them in order for them to be able to raise capital and grow their business? Their go-to-market, do they understand the customer? Have they really, really pinpointed the customer? Because I think if, if there's a handful of things that will slow down a company or just let it run out of money, it's not knowing who their target customer is. And so do they really know and have they done enough research to say, I know exactly who I'm going to. I think that's an attractive thing. Now, it always it might not be right and I might pivot. And that's where having a great team is really, really important. But overall, team, market, how they're going to kind of enter that market and self-awareness about how difficult this is going to be, right? And it's going to be painful and it's going to take a lot of time and energy. And we just want to see folks who are really excited about that challenge. How do you measure the success of 
your directorship, I guess, like with the the companies that you're working with, the 23 companies, how do you measure that? How do you sit opposite your bosses at a big boardroom table and say, I'm doing a really good job because... <laughs> How, how do you measure that? Yeah, no, gifts, again. Just gifts, gifts are good. Uh, just yeah. pass them up the chain. <laughs> Wine. Uh, <laughs> we do set milestones, primarily because we do have companies at different stages and in different industries. So we have kind of very specific benchmarks for each company, and we put a timeline there. And we do everything we do can to help them achieve it, or just, right? Because maybe those weren't the right milestones. And they are typically with us for a year, but it really is up to both them and us. You know, if they are hitting all their marks, raising capital, they may not need us anymore and that they graduate. And we continue to work with them on if they want to hire students from UConn or if we can help build a board of directors, we definitely do that. And some stay in for a year because that's how long it takes to get to their next stage. And again, we're flexible like that. I think we're structured in such a way that we can handle that diversity of startup in terms of where they are and what they're trying to do. That's impressive. You know, there's so many different companies at different stages. So you measure the milestones that you have set, obviously, uh, against the companies that you're working with when you we first meet with them. And you answered one of the questions that was coming, which was, how long do they stay <laughs> with you? I mean, how long are you scaffolding for? I mean, how long is it going to take to build these skyscrapers? And it would appear it's a year. That's, that's kind of cool. It's like, I guess, an in, it's like having an intensive one-year mentor with experience and, and a breadth of research and knowledge to draw on to get you off and running, basically. A year does seem to be a good time frame. A lot of earlier stage companies to fly the nest to get everything they need to go. You know, some that are later stage, obviously, don't you know stay stay for shorter periods. Founders kind of start a company and really gain traction. There's always challenges that were probably unexpected and, and to have support for those times, you know, let's call it a year until they're fully kind of on their own is really, really important. We, we like to fill that gap for sure. Now here's a question that may or may not get into the final podcast. <laughs> All right. Ooh, this I will like be, this, this is like going to be cut. I'm sure. Do your startups and entrepreneurs need to meet any kind of criteria of essentially doing some good, or do they just need to show that they are going to potentially or have the potential to be profitable I think it depends on our investment thesis. And I think it's fair to say that if we believe companies that are doing good will be more successful, then we certainly look for those types of companies. And I think, although it's not like a written rule, I think that is how our team thinks, is what is the impact this company is going to have can they be transparent with customers, with regulars, you name it, because that's what is demanded of them today. And do they conduct themselves in a way that we are proud of? Yes to all those things. Hence, I think we do want companies that fit that mold. And I guess I'm giving you a backward answer because although it's not a criteria, it is how we think about what it takes to be successful today. And the reason I ask that is, I mean, I've had a little look on your website because I'm a, obviously did my due diligence before this podcast, I just like to say. <laughs> and one of the overriding things that I can see a number of companies that you're working with, which 
are looking to do some incredible things to help people, not just in terms of health and medical side of things, but using technology to make people's lives better, which is where it sits so nicely, obviously being a part of the Curious Capitalist. Uh, One that really caught my eye, and we briefly spoke about it before, which was Ready Teddy. What what an incredible idea. I can get behind that. Talking about Ready Teddy, tell the listeners about Ready Teddy. A hundred percent. So when an adolescent needs an MRI, it can be a very difficult procedure. It can be scary. I mean, those who've gone through them, it's it's noisy, it's dark, you name it. Especially for a young kid, it's frightening. They tend to move with it in the MRI. And this does a couple of things. This, you know, can give some inaccurate data. This can cause the need for multiple MRIs. And overall, it's just something you want to avoid is to either not have a good MRI or have to do one again. So Ready Teddy has created a device. It's a headset. It's powered by virtual reality. And it basically trains a young child, a young teen, what an MRI will be like and the sounds, the noises, you name it. It will predict the likelihood of success that patient will have in an MRI and will test whether or not they are ready. And eventually, and this is kind of in development, if they do go in for that MRI and they do have movements, what Ready Teddy is finding is they are typically the same movements at the same time that they had during the test so that they can eventually correct for that and say, you know, it wasn't the best MRI, but we have data to show where corrections are needed. And hence that can be applied to the final analysis. I mean, great group of founders who are so driven, who are working with some incredible hospitals and institutions, UConn Health being one of them. It's really hard not to get behind, again, not only a great team who's so passionate, but who is, you know, bending over backwards to change how certain processes are, are run for an adolescent population, for insurance providers, you name it, right? There's so many efficiencies that come into play with this product. So I'm with you. We love them. They're doing great things. And we're so thrilled to have folks like them in our program. There's so many companies on your website that I would love to talk about. We most definitely need to do a follow-up and cover (laughs) off a few more of them. To wrap up then, a couple more questions from me. Let's talk about you a little bit, shall we? Uh, What's been your greatest success both professionally and personally? What comes to mind is um, know thyself. I like to think that I've done enough things in my life, both that I've really been proud of and things that I wish I had done differently. I know who I am. I'm still learning, but I know who I am. And if that's the one thing I walk away with, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. I should highlight that I did recently. I did, I did get married to a wonderful gentleman, so I do want to highlight. I'm, you know, I've made some good. The good I was going to say, you know, a lot of people answer that question with, "I've had children. I've successfully looked after pets and not killed them. I've done this. Um, I've climbed yeah. the Andes." You're like, no, I know myself. I've just forgot about the husband. I just, I just forgot about. It. I, well, and I think he's part of that journey. I don't yeah, think. No, absolutely. You know, I would have. And able to meet him. And There's no greater reflection than when you're in a relationship, is there? There's, yeah, uh, you learn true. all of the good um, and the bad and the ugly. This is true. I'm also, I am six months pregnant. So no I way! am. Uh, yeah, that's happening. Um, Wowzers. Like, I'm so excited, but also it's like the greatest opportunity to fail. Right? It's like, like doing something you know nothing about. Have ne- ne- never done it before. Do you but... know the irony is that nobody does, you know, having recently gone through this myself, there is always going to oh, be a, a plethora of people who are going to tell you how to raise said child. They're going <laughs> to tell you everything you need to know, and you're going to disregard 
everything they say <laughs> because there's no book. You just wing it with grace. That's it. But uh, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, no, thank you. No, we no. must do a follow up before uh, that happens. It might be hormonal <laughs> and it could go horribly south quickly. Yeah, no, my, my answers might be a little different. They might be. No, <laughs> I just want sleep, Claire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need a startup that's designed a baby sedative. No, we can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll just want, I'll just be eating the entire time because that's yeah. all I've done. It's yeah. all good. Uh, <laughs> so I, it leads me nicely onto my my last question, which is tell me about your plans, both personally and professionally. <laughs> Do you intend on starting a family soon? <laughs> I mean, um, I'll just get my crystal ball out here. <laughs> you know, you've done that a few times. It's a very impressive quality. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you, you know exactly where to lead me here. Yeah, so wait, so I'm due in March. What date? March 29th. Ooh. I know. Um, That's exciting. It is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Terrified. Replace excited terrified. with terrified. Yeah. That is 100% accurate. What's the plan? I yeah, guess professionally, I suppose, five, 10 years. They always do those five, 10 year plans that make me want to, you know, <laughs> be rather um, unwell. But it's true, isn't it? You know, what would be the end game? Where would you see this current adventure going, this chapter? Um, I think what gets me the most excited when I think about my career is I love working with entrepreneurs and founders. That is like, I know they talk about the flow when it doesn't feel like work. And that for me, that is the flow. And also people who may not be a founder of a company, but like are just trying to do something awesome, you know, within an organization and people who want to change things, I'm drawn to them. So I don't know in what particular capacity, but I think I will always surround myself with those type of people. You definitely need to get on the board of conscious capitalism here in Connecticut. <laughs> I mean, that's the most perfect answer. If anybody from the board is listening, sign this woman up, will you? She wants to change the world. We'll have her. <laughs> Margaret, it's been such a refreshing pleasure to chat with oh, you. Oh, no, today. thank you very much. And, um, I really appreciate it. I really would love to, uh, to talk some more about some of the exciting companies you're working with because some of the ideas are awesome. They're absolutely awesome. And you can check them out online at the website, which is innovation.yukon.edu forward slash tip Stanford. <laughs> See what I did there? Tip. That was great. That Thank was you. Um, if people want to carry on the conversation, they want to find out more about you, what you're doing and how they might be able to get involved. How can they reach out to you? LinkedIn, social media, or just through the website? What's the best shout? Actually, social media, LinkedIn, Stanford Data Science Initiative, Tip Digital, Yukon Research, they'll all link back. Also, definitely check out, as Claire said, the website. I don't have my email on there, and I'm more than happy to connect and talk about what great ideas that people want to start and get off the ground. And how you can be their scaffolding. Check out that website, <laughs> innovation.yukon.edu forward slash tip Stanford. And you're looking for the lovely Margaret Feeney. It's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Claire. This is fun. Thanks, a Thanks lot. for being on The Curious Capitalist. <laughs> Until next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Curious Capitalist. If you would like to find out more about conscious capitalism, or if you would like to join the local chapter, visit the website connecticut.consciouscapitalism.org. The Curious Capitalist is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Spotify. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode, subscribe to and share this podcast today. 
This podcast was created and produced by Red Rock Branding. RedRockBranding.com.